0: You're now listening to the Stronger Inside Podcast, where we break down all things regarding health, fitness, and wellness to help you improve your mind, body, and environment. And now, your host, Wayne, aka Workout with Wayne, and Ernest, aka
1: Mr. 100 Pounds Down. We are back. Episode number four, Stronger Inside Podcast. How you feeling, Ernest? I'm feeling good, Wayne. Feeling good. Good, 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 good. Um, hopefully, everybody out there through social media is sharing and enjoying the podcast. I hope we are providing some information and even possibly some entertainment to go with the information.
2: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Definitely getting some good feedback. I'm hearing some good things. So I appreciate all our listeners.
1: Cool, cool. Cool. All right, well, we're going to keep it moving and jump right into the topic of this episode. What do you got, Ernest? What are we we talking about today?
2: Episode four is a touchy, touchy one, man. So today we're going to talk about why is America so fat and unhealthy? What what did you say? (laughs) Why is America so fat and unhealthy? Woo!
1: Wow. It's a strong, it's a strong statement, man.
2: Hey, hey. It, it, it is. It is. So we- but it's true.
1: <laughs> but it's true. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Uh, we are here to discuss all things health fitness. So this is a true statement, and we're going to get right into it. What is obesity? Uh, that's a, a phrase that we hear a lot, but what exactly does that mean? Well, obesity is basically having a body mass index above 30, which is body mass index, which is BMI, which you've probably seen at a chart in your doctor's office, maybe with the trainer. I don't really focus on that too much, but it is something that is, is something that I do offer that information to with clients. Mm-hmm. So you would say, how do you find the BMI? What is my BMI? Well, the formula for BMI is your weight in kilograms divided by your height in meters squared uh if there's any uh, math whizzes out there <laughs> who kn- knows what we're talking about uh, I'll break it down a little bit further and make that sound a little bit easier yeah, using um, a
2: metric- using a metric system out here
1: yeah there's a way to uh do it as well with pounds and uh you gotta do some additional math so um that's, it, that's it, why
2: that's why america's so fat we we inches and pounds over here not centimeters <laughs> and kilograms yeah
1: uh, well i mean at least we're not counting our weight in stone. (laughs) Very true. (laughs) Uh, 10 stone. (laughs) So I hear when I watch some of those, uh, those uh, British shows. Mm. But to break down the BMI, for example, I'm going to use myself as an example. I am 218 pounds. So in kilograms, I'll be 98.8. I am six foot one, which would be 73 inches, which would be 1.85 meters. So 1.85 meters squared would be 3.4. And then you're going to take that 98.8, which is my weight in kilograms, divide that by 3.4, which is my height in meters squared. And that's going to give me a score of 28.5. So my BMI is 28.5. We'll go over the chart later and I'll plug in and show you where I'm at. Ernest, right now looking at your numbers you are at 35.99 the last time i checked your profile on the on the workout with wayne app
0: yes sir
2: yes sir
1: (laughs) a little plug there that doesn't
2: sound that doesn't sound great but if you knew
1: where i've been well that's that's what i was gonna say um when i i scrolled back and looked at when you first started Mm -hmm. your bmi was 47 sheesh yeah All right. So, what is the BMI scale? Um, There's a couple categories. We're going to start with underweight. So, if your score is 18.5 or below, you will be underweight. And before I even go further, um, unlike body fat percentage and other charts, this BMI only considers your height and weight. That's it. So, Um, there are times where this thing can be skewed a little bit and we'll get into that, but just understand that this is basically just all about height and weight. Um, so if you're under 18.5, you're underweight, a healthy weight would be 18.5 through 24.9 overweight would be 25 to 29.9 obesity would be between 30 and 40. Um, and we have three classes of obesity. Uh, the first class would be thirty to thirty four point nine. That's class one obesity. Class two would be thirty five to thirty nine point nine. And then class three is actually over forty. Um, so yeah, forty and over would be class three, which would be pretty much morbid obesity. Um, and when you're at that size, if you look at your body fat percentage, you're even you're close to you know high 40s uh sometimes 50% body fat. So, uh but we're just sticking with BMI right now. Those are the numbers. So, uh to plug go back and look at my information and plug it in. I am 28.5. So, I am overweight. Hey, hey. look at that. Overweight <laughs> trainer. <laughs> <laughs> but the problem is, you start cutting you go. To, what's that?
2: You need to start cutting your cost. Why is that? <laughs> man, it, we both work, we both need to work out according to this.
1: <laughs> oh man. So um with me being considered overweight on this chart. But if we look at body fat percentage, I am in a healthy and lean category. each chart has a different uh phrase for it, but my body fat percentage, uh, you know. Is anywhere between right now uh 18 and 16 probably so if you look at a chart right there for my age and i'm 35 i'm in a good place i can look at myself visually and tell that i am not uh, i don't have excess body fat on me so for me to be overweight is because i have a significant amount of muscle in my body i've developed muscle and that's where my weight comes from uh so a lot of athletes. Would be considered overweight. You got your football players, even you know, your track sprinters, uh, basketball players, people who have muscle, tennis players like Serena Williams. Uh, they're going to have muscle and they're going to be considered overweight. But that is a small percentage of the population. Right. Um, Ernest, you have worked to uh, develop a lot of muscle as well. You're always changing your body. So you're going in the right direction. And currently right now you are at 35.9, which is knocking on the door to being a uh, class one. And you were, before that you were class three, you're currently at class two. And right now you're class one obesity. And that's just the truth, right?
2: Yeah, no, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> exactly. Absolutely. So, so Sometimes it's it's difficult to read it, difficult to see it, difficult to internalize it. But it it is what it is, and so understanding where you're at and knowing where you where you're trying to go is the key to this whole thing. So I know where I'm at. I know what I need to do to get to, you know, that healthy that healthy range or that you know that I'm probably going to be in a range where it's going to list me as overweight, similar to you. um, Yeah, because you know it's 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 going to be something that's comfortable for me, right? And so as long as as long as I understand the I'm healthy. And I am, you know, being. A, I'm practicing a fitness and wellness like lifestyle. I think I'll be will be okay with that. I want to make sure I'm getting into a range where, you know, health is the biggest thing, and not necessarily my size.
1: Okay. Yeah, the, they go hand in hand, and we're going to talk about that later. Mm-hmm. We don't want to get too far to where we're we're not correlating those two things because right. they, there is a correlation. But yeah. With with the style of training and your and your body type, you are going to be. You're probably never going to have a a, a BMI under twenty five, Ernest. I'm probably never going to have a BMI under twenty five. So you know, for you to go from four hundred pounds to where you're at now, you know the the two eighties, mm-hmm. you're probably not going to have that. So yeah, you would probably at your at your fittest and the, and the transformations that you get into, uh, to where you get to, yeah, you'll probably be overweight. Um, but you can continue to uh, reduce body fat, absolutely, which will correlate to health as well. So uh, that's where we are. Um, I suggest that you find a BMI calculator, all uh, my listeners, and find out where you are. And if you are not an athlete, if you are not currently weight training or have years of weight training, then understand that this chart is not biased and it is not um, unfair. Is this is the truth. So if you are a person who does not have significant amount of muscle in your body, and it says you're obese, and hey, you're obese, or you're overweight, or you're at a healthy weight, or you're underweight. Um, so just keep that in mind. So that is the definition of obesity, and we're gonna take a quick global look at obesity to understand where our country does rank. Um, because it is not just a US problem, but when, we, when you get an understanding of the countries that rank higher than us, you'll see, you'll see a trend. So I'm going to go through it and run down, uh, some of the most obese countries until we get to America. Uh, we have American Samoa, uh, Nauru, the Cook Islands, uh, Marshall Islands, Tonga, Samoa, Aruba, Kuwait, the Cayman Islands. A lot of these places, um, there's a couple other ones, but I'm just going to jump down. So we are 12. A lot of those places, uh, they're just not the size of America. They do, not, they do not have the resources. We don't see those countries uh, dominating the Olympics, you know. So right. it would be unfair for us to compare ourselves to them. Uh, I'll go through a couple of other countries slightly below us to, again, drive home the point. Uh, right below us there are the British Virgin Islands, Jordan, Saudi Arabia, Qatar, Bermuda, Guam, French Polynesia, uh, Puerto Rico, the U.S. Virgin Islands, Libya, Turkey, Egypt, Lebanon. So really, you know, again, the the countries that are major countries, they're not really up there with us. I would say if we go down much further, uh, much further, and Mexico has been rising, but uh, Canada is much lower, United Kingdom is, the United Kingdom is 36th. And then right around there, you're gonna start seeing um, more of the larger European countries. Uh, actually, they're much further, Poland, Norway, uh, Germany, Finland, then you got even South American countries that are much lower, Brazil, Panama. So really, if you look at the company that we're keeping, um, where we, we stand out, at the top of this list so let's get right back into our own data let's talk about us let's talk about the U.S. I'm going to use some data that is from the CDC which goes back to 2000 they, they collected it between 2017 and 2018 uh, and this has some good breakdowns regarding race They even go into uh, social economic status and education and talk about childhood obesity as well. But let's jump right into it. Um, The prevalence of of obesity was 42.4%. So 42% of the population was obese uh, in 2017 going into 2018. So just think about that and think about that number. that is something that is staggering. It's been rising. It's something that's risen uh, because in 1999, 2000, um, the prevalence was 30. Mm. So we went from 30 to 42% of uh, rate of obesity. And when we talk about severe obesity, kind of that class Uh, That class three that we talked about, Mm -hmm. uh, when you have a BMI over 40, that went from 4.7 in 1999 to 9.2 in 2017. So we are trending upward. And there have been reports that by 2030, the prevalence of of obesity will be 50%.
2: Mm, Not if we can help it. (laughs)
1: <laughs> we're we gonna we're gonna do something about it we're gonna try to baby one, one podcast at a time yes, there we sir. go uh yeah and that, that's really a big part of us just having this discussion today to understand where we are as a country where we are as uh individuals and so that we can make some changes and that could be within ourselves within our communities and really take accountability and All control right. what we can control absolutely right. so uh yeah, these numbers, these numbers are staggering, and the reason why, uh, if we look at obesity, there are so many related conditions that come with it. Heart disease, stroke, type 2 diabetes, even certain types of cancer, and these things are preventable. So if we can make certain choices, understanding where we are, we, we can even reverse some of those things that you may have already been diagnosed with. Um, is it, can you live a absolutely healthy life and uh, prevent everything? No. You yeah. know. And you always hear people talk about outliers. Well, my grandpa smokes cigars every day and he lived to 100. Okay, that's fine. But what about all the other people who smoke cigars every day? You know. <laughs> so let's look at the numbers and let's use common sense. You are putting yourself at risk for these things the longer you stay in these states. Uh we've talked about this before, Ernest. You have not had any of those issues, even you know, where you were. So that that was amazing. And for you to turn it around now has has been a great decision because you know those things were knocking at the door.
2: Yeah, yeah, man. Absolutely. I, I think about it all the time. I think about it all the time now. Um just the fact that being at the BMI that I was, being at the weight that I was not being as physically active as I needed to be, as I could have been, you know, just being lazy and being complacent and Mm -hmm. just going throughout the day-to-day, uh, um, going throughout my just day-to-day tasks coming and going, you know, I wasn't really worried about it. So understanding all the things that I've dodged, all those health issues that I've dodged, I don't take that lightly and I, I pray that I don't have to deal with those things in the future because of what we're doing now. You know, I'm, I'm hoping that this is going to, you know, reduce the risk of those, those issues. Some of those things, um, like you said, they, they are preventable. Um, They, some, some things are hereditary. Some things can be passed down some things, but that's because the way we eat, the way we interact, the way we, uh, the way our environment is, is hereditary also. I, that could yeah. be a reason why, too. So, if we can start changing some of those habits in our family, we could be the we could be the ones that break those chains for our children and our children's children. So, we don't have to be like, well, blood, high blood pressure runs in the family, or you know, diabetes runs in the family. Like, exactly, it don't have to.
1: That's true. And i've 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 trained clients, and I've had clients bring in their family members. And while some things again can be genetic, what happens is is, a, is perfect. No, what happens is exactly what you said. Um, The family has the same habits. Each person in the family has the same habits. They have the same behaviors and which lead to these conditions. So there's a a funny uh, statement regarding those kind of things. Uh, It is those things. Running your family because nobody runs in your family. <laughs> so, if nobody works out and everybody eats poorly, then yes, you could sit around and say, Well, yeah, these things are bound to happen to me. So, I've seen outliers within families and they are not on the same uh, trajectory as their family members. Right. So, it shows that you can uh, do your best to combat any genetic. Uh, or hereditary issues. Uh, yeah, because when it comes to medical costs, there's uh, some stats right here. Um, the estimated annual medical cost of obesity in the U.S. was $147 billion in 2008. Mm. And then the medical cost for people who have obesity was almost $1,500 higher than those of somebody with normal weight. So it, it, it's costing you as well. You know, it's gonna if it doesn't cost you now, it'll cost you later. So but it will cost you. It will cost you. (laughs) DP, DP. Martin reference there. Yeah, Yeah, if if it don't cost you now, it'll cost you later. I think he actually said uh it'll cost you a little or it'll It'll cost cost you a lot. lot,
0: But it'll cost you. you.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And that's that's is pretty close though.
2: Yeah, man. Oh man. That's but uh, but that that's that's true though, so it could cost you a little. Where you're taking uh medicine every day, it costs you a lot, your life, but it will cost you,
1: yeah, or mm-hmm. or some type of surgery or some yeah, type of absolutely. uh, yeah, yeah, your your if quality you, of life. These things are they're, they're all intertwined. Look at so D-
2: DP was a theologian out here, boy,
1: <laughs> he was ahead of his time, yeah, man, <laughs> he knew where we were headed. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Um, with those numbers right there, uh, I would like to go a little bit further and kind of break the numbers down into categories. And we're going to go into the, the racial and social economic breakdowns of obesity, because you will see some trends. These are aged 20 and over adults. And what I'm going to do, I'm going to just start with, um, the total uh, prevalence of obesity for each uh, ethnic group, and then I'll go into the gender per ethnic ethnic group. All right. So uh, for Black people in America, non-Hispanic Blacks, the prevalence for obesity was forty-nine point six. For non-Hispanic Whites, was forty-two point two. For non-Hispanic Asians, seventeen point four. Much lower. And for Hispanics, uh, 44.8. So as you can see, other than Asians, each uh, race was pretty close with uh, Black Americans being at the the highest, almost 50%. So we'll jump into the gender with, uh, we'll start with the men. In these non-Hispanic Black men, 41.1%. Then we go to white men, 44%. We'll go back down to the Asians. They're pretty consistent, again, at 17%. And then uh, Hispanic men, 45%, which is the highest. Mm -hmm. Then if we go to the women, uh, we'll start with Black women. They are at 57%. We will go to uh, non-Hispanic white women, which will be 40%. Asians, again, at 17, pretty much 17 across the board, we see. And then... Uh, Hispanic women at 43%. Mm. So uh, those are the numbers right there. If you look around your communities and take a look, um, see if that does represent what you see. Um, That's kind of where we are. So what I would like to say, take a look at is all these, all these, there's other factors that may go into why certain people are uh, suffering from obesity within their communities. Um, So, a trend i've always noticed and even before i even looked at the statistics was that uh obesity for the most part is a class issue it's a social economic factor so um looking at these statistics uh further there is a section where uh, men and women with college degrees had lower obesity prevalence compared to those with less education so um really taking a look at that people who have more education, tend to make more money, tend to have more expendable income, tend to have maybe more reasons to uh, be in shape. They have more free time. Uh, It's just a a bunch of reasons why somebody with uh, a higher education and higher income um, would lead to having a lifestyle which would push them into a healthier weight what do you think about that Ernest?
2: no uh it makes sense it makes sense when when you don't have the money or the resources to to take advantage of some of the things that may be in your area or things may not be in your area as far as gyms and you know um uh, personal trainers and um healthy food options and things like that so you go for what you can afford and what your family can afford. And a lot of times that's the quick value meal. or that's yeah. the, you know, that's the the meatloaf for the, you know, the, the quick fried foods that something that tastes good. So you, your kids are going to eat it or you're going to eat it and you're going to go about your day because your belly is full. You're yeah. not really you're not really worried about being health conscious because you're trying to figure out how you're going to keep the lights
0: on.
1: You're right. And a lot of times, you know, your, your occupation will uh, kind of determine your your, your where you live your location so yeah. as you said there's some locations that have uh and we'll get into that later uh more availability whether it be for uh uh certain fresh foods certain um activities and other things uh this is some interesting uh interesting data that they have and this is another thing that i you know in my 35 years on this planet i started to pretty much start to Notice within probably the last two or three years and i've actually had some conversations with people about this to where um there is a community that goes against what we just talked about and unfortunately that is our community earnest black americans um when we look at the statistics and the data when we look at in- income and education levels whether it be for uh men, we'll, we'll start with men, actually the prevalence of obesity increased. So that meant the more money <laughs> and the better, the better we're doing as black men, mm-hmm. it actually went up. It was mm-hmm. a small increase, but I mean, with other trends, um, when it came to other ethnic groups, it did drop. Right. And that's something that you do notice. Like we said, you, you see people, who have more education, have more money, you see them tend to be healthier. Um, unfortunately for us, that was not the case. Um, hmm. And that's something that I had begun to notice in the last couple of years and start to put the pieces together. And it, it's unfortunate. And the statistics here are matching that. And it's, it's proven me right. Uh, is that something that you feel like you've, you've noticed or something that you've ever thought about?
2: I haven't, I haven't thought about it. You know, um, I haven't thought about it. The fact that now that you've mentioned it, I can kind of, kind of picture in my head, some prominent black men that I know that are well off or um, successful in their, in their life and in their career that maybe not aren't, that maybe aren't the healthiest, but I never put, I never kind of correlated the, the two together. Um I think just in my circle in general most of most of the people I, that I talk to are um relatively relatively successful in what they're doing in their life so I guess I guess I could I guess I could see that you know I I, I hang out with a lot of people that are healthy or in a healthy BMI range I I would imagine just by looking at them but there are a few uh, that I do know especially around my building that I work in where I can say well, that guy's probably making X amount of dollars and, yeah, you know, he's, he's not, he's not that physically, physically fit as lot. He's, he's doctor, doctor, so-and-so, you know, but, uh, you know, it's, a not a MD.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Uh, there, I think there's a lot of factors that go into that. I think, you know, that's, that's an episode in itself. Um, but that's something that we need to take, take a notice of and say, why is that? Why mm-hmm. is it that with more education, more, Expendable income. Why would your health be worse? (laughs) Uh, that yeah. So,
2: Uh, maybe I mean, for a lot of us, life is hard coming up. So when you get to a point where perhaps you are more successful, you kind of take it easy. You 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 do some drinking. You you go out to nice restaurants. You splurge on your family. You know, vacations and trips and things of that nature. So you don't think you don't put your health first you know you you worried about working hard you worried about providing and enjoying life and so yeah. i think that's that's why sometimes our health kind of falls to the back burner
1: yeah un- unfortunately yeah. yeah and and also i mean the the other side of that is just holding on to those habits let's say you you like you said uh, maybe somebody did not grow up the same way that they're currently living meaning that they're doing you know better than perhaps you know they grew up Uh, but they're still holding on to those habits. Mm. So you can't, you know, you make, (laughs) you you make six figures now, but you're eating like a person who makes hourly wage.
0: Ah. And
1: and that West, that Western diet that we talk about is, is a lot of a big part of that. Uh, it's not, it's not all steak and shrimp and margaritas. It's also some, uh, just poor food choices that are, uh, playing to that. There's an interesting statistic. Uh, among men, the obesity prevalence was lower in the lowest income groups and highest income groups compared to the middle group. So meaning for men, uh, obesity is lower, uh, lower your income level is, and then the higher your income level is, is lower as well. So really is it's the middle class, uh, middle income group that's actually the largest for men. Mm-hmm. And that makes sense because if, if you are a, a uh, A a lower income person as a man a lot of times these are labor jobs these are physical jobs and You whether you make a poor decisions, uh nutrition wise or not You're still moving and you're gonna have you're gonna work You're gonna work your body and then it goes back into the higher income group of people being uh, Knowledgeable about health and fitness and having options. So really that that's something that we look at for men right there Yeah, it makes sense. So we're gonna move on to women um this is interesting obesity prevalence was lower in the highest income group than the middle and the lowest income groups what do you think about that what do you think that says
2: (laughs) (laughs) i don't know who want to touch that one um i perhaps perhaps that says that women women tend to look the part when they are uh moving up the ladder in the in their jobs or their professions so they take care of their bodies more okay perhaps perhaps that's the reason why
1: yeah i think i mean and it could be chicken or the egg you know you you don't know but what, what that says right there is that uh women in the highest income groups are more likely to be at a healthy body body weight um and this pattern they said this was observed among Um, non-Hispanic whites, non-Hispanic Asians and Hispanic women. So white women, Asian women, and Hispanic women that applied to them. So again, we're going to talk about our community.
2: Oh Lord.
1: (laughs) Black women, there was no difference in obesity prevalence by income. So it didn't matter if you were the lawyer, the paralegal, or the woman cleaning the the office. Mm the income level and education level does not matter. And if we go back and look at the statistics, it was almost
2: 57%. Yeah, that, 50, that 57 threw me for a loop. I didn't, I didn't know it was quite 57.
1: Yeah, 57%. So mm-hmm. uh, this is, this is, these are things that people don't wanna talk about. We're gonna talk about them. And there's, there's always a lot of other reasons that we can go into, but just we going to look at the data and we wanna say, again, what can I do as an individual? And when an individual makes a change and then it rubs off on their circle, then a community changes. Right. So, you know, that that is something that can be uh, infectious. So uh, just understanding that and saying, why is that? Why is it that, you know, I have four degrees and I'm more like I'm just as likely to be uh, unhealthy as somebody who is is working 50 hours a week doing a labor job as you know, as a black woman. Mm hmm. That, that is something that we need to take a look at uh, because all these other factors, if, like we looked at, they, they tend to make sense. Uh, whether it be men, women of other ethnic groups, they make more money, they're more healthy. For us, black men make more money, we got larger. Right. Living large. <laughs> Literally. Yeah. And then uh, for black women, it, it didn't matter whether you Man. were uh, your income level. And I think some of the reasons uh, just looking at that, uh, I paid attention to a lot of the social commentary on the news channels and they had a lot of uh, special events, whether it be for the black community. Uh, There was CNN, there was own channel. I watched one on revolt uh, diddy's network and they, they brought in prominent figures in our communities and they had all these different talks about all these reasons why, uh, why, we were being affected so much by COVID-19 coronavirus and why people were dying at a higher rate. And there were other reasons. They talked about unethical healthcare practices, inequalities, talked about social economic issues, people not trusting doctors, all these other things, right? Uh, They talked about food deserts when it came to nutrition choices and all these things, but we still have to take some type of personal accountability. And that personal accountability can be taken by the people in these higher income groups because you have a high income, you have high education. So why are you in this 42% that we're talking about, right? Right. Why are you grouping yourself in with a group of people who are actually social, economically oppressed? And they, you know, there's people that actually live in food deserts that can only shop at a corner store. There's people who there are no gyms. They they might have a a Planet Fitness couple miles away, but there's no yoga (laughs) studios and cycling studios and nice places to go hiking within a walking distance. So yes, I completely understand why those groups of people would be marginalized and have the effects of something like a coronavirus or even the other preventable diseases we talked about. So, but what about the people who are doing well for themselves, and have the ability to pursue a more healthy lifestyle. And just in choosing not to. And choosing not to and taking their health for granted. But then when, you know, that, that's just something that we need to take a look at because if we look at, there, there are prominent black communities. We talk about PG County. We talk about uh, places in Atlanta. You know, there's places, there are places where black communities are doing well, striving, doing well. And then we say, what are we doing health wise? You know?
0: Right.
1: Yeah. So that, that's, that's my little PSA right there. I don't want to jump too far into no, that. No, no, no.
2: That's good. It's good stuff. It makes you think.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, and think about it just to kind of look at your situation, Ernest. When we had our conversation, there was nothing stopping you. No, <laughs> But me, no, nothing but, me. but you. I mean, you had a, you had a young child and, yeah, but that's, that comes with life. But mm-hmm. other than that, you, you had a car, <laughs> you had a job, yeah. Uh, you got two Make, feet. Making decent money. Making decent money, and you go forward a trainer.
0: <laughs> yeah, so, man.
1: Yeah, yeah, so the, 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 that's a big change right there that you, you noticed that you had the ability to do it and you've done it, and again, you are inspiring people whether you believe it or not. So I want you to continue doing that because it's not just my voice, it's, it's your, living it, your living example, you know?
0: Yeah, yeah absolutely. Just
1: People just assume that I, I just woke up like this, you know. <laughs> nah, nah, yeah, exactly. Like I'm Beyonce, I just woke up like this. I didn't man. put no work in. No,
2: <laughs> no, nah, nah, man, no. I, definitely, I've definitely seen you from the skinny 175 pound hey, cat yeah, to, yeah, yeah, yeah. To, to this to this dude, you know. So it's definitely been a, it's been a work in progress. I right. think at one point your, your dreads w- weighed more than
1: you. I was never that skinny. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, maybe maybe junior year in high school, and I didn't have Dresden. then. <laughs> oh man! We're gonna jump back into just the country as a whole and the reasons why we are so fat and unhealthy. Oh no! He said the f word again. Oof. Oh, Oof. I'm gonna have to bleep it out. Hey man! So <laughs> apparently, you can't say that these days. You can't say that, man. Big, we
2: big boned it out here.
1: Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I want to see the. Uh, X-ray. <laughs> I want to see the X-rays. <laughs> <laughs> Number one reason, the Western diet. Uh, we've talked about this in the grocery store episode. This is pretty much a diet of red meat, processed meats, prepackaged foods, butters, candy, sweets, fried foods, dairy products, refined grains, potatoes, corn, high fructose corn syrup, just basically everything that you don't want to eat a lot of and pretty much should be something that is a uh, a sometimes food, a moderation, a treat, but these are things that people eat daily, massive amounts of them, and that is why we are where we are as a country. Uh, we've talked about your journey and the changes you made in your diet, Ernest. uh I believe in the second episode, you said, uh, you try to get vegetables with every meal, right which is a big change, but it's, a lot of people just aren't doing that. Yeah. Yeah. That's a big (laughs) difference. And when you're eating vegetables, that means you're not eating as much as those other things. Right. Yeah. So that Western diet that goes into fast food, uh, fast, casual, all these other things that people are eating, they're not cooking at home. They don't eat at home. That is why we are. And actually, uh, to take it back to the global issue through capitalism and the corporations that are American, they have branched off and it's not just Wendy's being a USA problem or, uh, uh, kfc and those things and you've been to uh travel to other countries and stuff you've seen these same fast food establishments i'm i'm assuming right yep absolutely yeah so now in certain countries there's in uh asian countries and other places their life expectancy for the next generation is actually lower than their parents Mm. so the things that we're doing here has actually you know infected the world per se right ronald mcdonald is (laughs) everywhere every everywhere over over how many billion served (laughs) yeah so that's the danger of the western diet and just it's it's something that we just really need to work on uh, changing and if we get back into childhood obesity because unfortunately children cannot protect themselves from obesity it is the parents it is whatever culture and uh, lifestyle that the parents are living, then the children are just going to fall into that. So, uh, we're going to take a look at the childhood obesity rates. Uh, from two to five years old, uh, 14% of children were obese. From six to 11 years old, 18% of children were obese. From 12 to 19 years old, 20% of children were obese. So, this is rising. This is rising at, at a ridiculous rate. Um, We'll we'll go back into the racial breakdown again. Uh, Hispanics have the highest that was at 25%. Non-Hispanic Blacks were at 22%. And then uh, non-Hispanic Whites were at 14%. I don't have anything for the uh, Asians, but if we look at anything from the adult statistics, I think they're doing all right for themselves.
2: Yeah, it would would imagine. Oh, actually,
1: uh, let me take that back. There are 11% for non-Hispanic Asians.
2: So right right along the same lines as the parents. Yep, the the
1: parents are pretty much uh, doing... They're they're setting the standard for the children. You would never see the children's statistics not reflect the adult statistics. Mm. That means uh, using their allowance and sneaking out, getting candy (laughs) or something. Uh, That's probably not the case. With the rising obesity rates, uh, the children are really, really, really in danger. Like we said, if we look at 2030 and it is 50%, that means that we have some 12 year olds, 10 year olds, 10 years from now that are gonna be adults and they're gonna be part of that 50%. Yeah, well, it's scary, it's scary. Yeah, yeah. So we wanna break down by state. You know, we went global, now we we focused on the country as a whole, Mm -hmm. and now we're just gonna go by state to kind of take a look at some regional obesity issues. Um, I'm gonna break down and go through this top 10 right here. I'm gonna start with West Virginia, number one. This is Um, the most
2: unhealthy state.
1: Yeah, these are the most unhealthy states. Mm -hmm. West Virginia, then we're gonna go to Mississippi, Oklahoma, Iowa, Alabama, Louisiana, Arkansas, Kentucky. Uh, interesting. Alaska is on there.
2: It smells like a little bit of, of an outlier, but it's on the list.
1: Alaska. Yeah. I don't know what's going on up there. <laughs> I, I don't know what's going on up in Alaska. i have to look into that and the, the, the culture and the things that they're doing there. But maybe uh, with the darkness going on, they, they're just kind of eating. They're chilling. <laughs> mm, <yeah. laughs> I don't know. Uh, and then South Carolina. Uh, we both have some family ties to that state. Yeah, uh, what, what what can you say about what you noticed in the culture in South Carolina and probably just kind of other Southern states neighboring?
2: So Southern cuisine is a staple. I was born in South Carolina, Beaufort, shout out to Beaufort, South Carolina. Still have family down there. So whenever family gets together, we're cooking, we're cooking together. Uh, things are probably high in saturated fats, sugars between Will we fry or will we bake? It's the Southern hospitality thing in you, where it's you have It's the Southern to, way. It's the Southern way, where you have to. You you want your guests to leave happy, full, feeling good. <laughs>
1: you know, roll them out the door.
2: Exactly. If that's what you got to do, that's what you got to do. But you're gonna be happy when you leave. Your belly's gonna be full. You're gonna you're gonna be happy with your host. And as a host, you're gonna be you're gonna feel you're gonna feel joy that you, you left someone, you left a great impression on somebody.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah, and, and I, I've experienced that as well and I can see that, um, but to the point where, if, if we're doing that to the point of basically life or death, then we gotta take a look at some things. Right. All right. That's great for what you just explained, that should be Thanksgiving, that should be maybe Christmas, birthday, 4th of July, but we're talking about- Tuesday tuesday in the summer we're talking about a random saturday you know uh-huh. and these are we, we just can't do that it, we just cannot do that the southern cuisine like you said it transcends race it transcends gender It transcends everything it is just a way of life down there and it's killing people and you can see that with uh new orleans and how they were affected when it came to a lot of the emergencies, whether it'd been uh, you know the COVID-19 thing, they, they were hit very hard. Uh, so it's just a lot of a lot of these issues um, stem from nutrition and it's not it's not always a, a lack of activity issue. Uh, so just really making being aware of what you're eating, how you're eating, how you're cooking, that that that's gonna be half the battle right there. The the least obese state was Colorado. And uh, only 22% of his inhabitants were considered obese. Um, yeah, and as we know, that is a very uh, active area. There's a lot of outdoorsy things to do. Uh, they're just they're just very active out there. So that is something uh, that Colorado. So and and we'll see where they fall in on this uh, next list. Well, this next list, I'm, I'm I'm a proud Arlington resident, I guess at this point. Uh, been here for a little while and. This is the 2019 numbers of the fittest and healthiest cities in the country. So we're gonna start off with number one, Arlington, Virginia. Mm-hmm. We're gonna to go to Seattle, Washington, two. Minneapolis, three. San Francisco, four. Madison, Wisconsin, five. Uh, Washington, DC, six. St. Paul, Minnesota, another uh, Minnesota. Number seven, Irvine, California. Denver, Colorado, which we just mentioned, and Portland, Oregon. So if you take a look at all those cities, they have a lot in common, which would be uh, a lot of activities. They have a lot of access to uh, outdoors activities. They have uh, bike shares and a lot of different things where uh, people can move and be mobile and do those things and just just be out and about, trails to ride their bikes, trails to go running, uh, designated bike lanes in the streets. So all these things are pretty much telling people that it's okay to get out and move and you, you're going to have your own space. Um, here, where I live, Ernest, I could walk to about four yoga studios right now. I, I wouldn't say that's the case probably where you are, right? No, not at all. Yeah. And it, so that is just things like that. So uh, there, there's just a cultural, regional thing going on in a lot of these places. And that, that's kind of how it works. Yeah, they, they took into account a lot of uh for this, this healthy and fitness list. They took into account the access that residents do have to different exercise facilities and the amount of outdoors. Like I said, bike trails and bike lanes and running and hiking and all those different things. So that is a big part of, of health right there.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I, I think uh, another thing that I see in, in common is that a lot of these are bustling cities. These are places where people work and are normally dressed in a professional attire and things Correct. of that nature. So you got a lot of people that are in an environment where looking the part is, is also another is also key to their job and yeah. to their lifestyle. Arlington and DC, you know, are neck right right next to one another. So Correct. they go they go kind of go hand in hand you know, if you live in Arlington, you most likely work in DC or, or, or in their surrounding area.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. Um, Mm -hmm. I see that with a lot of my clients, uh, they have a reason to be fit, Mm -hmm. whether it be part of their job or just part of their lifestyle. They have a reason to maintain that versus maybe somebody who is in a smaller city or one of these other places. There's probably not a lot of pressure in certain parts of Kentucky. to wear a suit every day and, or maintain because, uh, you dress up for work more than me. <laughs> mm. I don't really have that uh, that dress code, whether it be business casual or not. Mm. Uh, I don't know the last time I had a collar on.
2: <laughs> and that, and that, that changed, that, that definitely changed for me. So one of the things that, you know, we're going to talk about this later, but like, I didn't know, I knew, but I didn't feel as big as I was because my environment wasn't, was different than what it is now as far as my work environment. So before okay. I would, I would go to work when the, you know, polo and khakis, and that was appropriate. Now in my, where I work at now, it's all the, all the men are normally suited and booted Okay. Uh, five days out of the week. And so it's one of those things where, where you dress a certain way, you, you look different and you you can, you can feel a little bit different in your clothes a little bit sometimes. Yeah. Even if, so, so that kind of, kind of made it stand out to me a little bit more also.
1: Yeah. Suits are expensive,
2: yeah. They are. Especially you don't want to you, you don't want to just keep fabric. putting on
1: the pounds. Yeah, <laughs> you want you want to get to a good spot, and unfortunately, probably for you, you're you're gonna have to start buying some smaller clothes. Yeah, yeah. Hey, going shopping. There you go.
2: Hey, Chris I think you heard that?
1: <laughs> Time to go shopping, yeah, baby. <laughs> All right, so if you're in some of those areas, you probably have noticed that you have access to those things and you probably are living a healthier lifestyle compared to some of the unhealthy states that we talked about. And there's just uh, some mentalities and uh, lifestyle issues that are associated with both of those regions when you hear them. Uh, Let's jump into kind of what you just touched on, Ernest. And this is something that I've heard from other clients and things that I've noticed. uh, And you probably can touch on this a little bit more than me. If everybody around you, is obese, overweight, how do you know you're obese or overweight? That you don't stand out. Right. So how would you know? So I, I think you know,
2: you know, but it's made to be okay. Or you're, yeah. you're kind of made to feel okay about it in a, in a way. Uh, if no one else is, if everyone else is around you is, looks similar to you and they're not doing anything about it, and they're not telling you to do anything about it you're you're gonna think you're fine. you're gonna think you're fine. You're gonna be accepted in your circle, even if it's a small social circle. If it's just your family, yeah, outside your house, you might feel some type of way. But if you feel comfort in your home, yeah, it's gonna it's gonna be all it's gonna be okay at the end of the day, right? And so you kind of internalize the things that happen to you outside your home if you having issues in certain areas. But when you get home, it's comfortable again, and so yeah. find your peace. Yeah,
1: that's a good word. The word that you uh, that stood out to me right there was comfort. Uh, if you are comfortable and that is where you are, then th- there's no need to change. And that's really where, when it when it comes to coaching and things like that, people need to be uncomfortable to change. You have to step outside your comfort zone. So if you're consistently in a comfort zone of no reason to change, like you said, then yeah, you're, you're just gonna kind of mosey on through life. I mean, there's people who are uh, as groups of friends. For, for instance, let's say there's a group of six friends mm-hmm. and they've all gained 20 pounds over the last five years. Well, nobody feels like they stand out because they've all done it. <laughs> right. Right. So yep. it's th- they're still kind of in the same spot. So, really, some people kind of find out that they are more obese or overweight than they thought in their head is when they travel. Uh, You've mentioned how when you've taken a trip to uh, North Korea, right? (laughs)
2: <laughs> Absolutely. How'd you make it not back, not. man? <laughs> there's,
1: there's no, it was South yeah.
2: Korea, correct? South Korea. Yeah, no, Dennis Rodman over here. Oh,
1: I thought that was your boy. Nah, no, no. Nah, okay, okay. Not okay, the worm. Okay.
2: Not the worm. Me and the worm don't hang out like that.
1: <laughs> okay, okay. Uh, yeah, but you you noticed that there was a difference, uh, in not only just the others around you, the people around you, but um, also
2: transportation. So yeah, the transportation. You when you're flying, you get on when we left Chicago, I believe, got on an airplane, Delta, United, something along those lines. And we're flying across all the way to Seoul, Korea. And the seats are comfortable. The plane is comfortable, relatively comfortable for a man of my stature at the time. And so we're flying along. But once you get to uh, an Asian country and you have to transfer planes, you realize that they don't make planes for the average American.
0: Yeah.
2: They make they make their planes. These Asian airlines make their planes for the average Asian. Which makes sense. It's total sense. <laughs> but for a man at my size, I was like, this is crazy. Like that three hour connecting flight felt like the 15 hour flight to kind of get over there. It was wow. it was uncomfortable. It was it was crazy. And then when you get there and then you're looking for rental cars or taxis, like their vehicles are small. The beds are small. The bathrooms are small. You could really tell a difference that I wasn't built for this country, right? (laughs) These uh, Asian countries, their seats are probably like three to four inches smaller, tighter in. Then you also have to deal with hotel rooms are a lot smaller. The beds are a lot smaller. They're a lot closer to the ground. So getting up out of a bed that's, you know, three inches, four inches off the ground is difficult. Um dealing with a shower that is uh not uh American size, you know, is difficult. So having to go through those experiences really showed me I'm I was a bigger person. So in America, people are my size. So things are things are made for Americans.
1: Yeah, they've catered.
2: They have if, catered if, to if the catered to the to the to the mean.
1: Yeah. So yeah, yeah, that's, those are some good experiences to share. And I'll I'll share one, maybe not so much outside the country, but uh, just taking a trip to Los Angeles. Uh, I've been there twice and you can see the difference. You can see the difference, Um, especially being maybe somewhere like uh, Southern parts of United States to where you get to LA and this is quote unquote, the, the beautiful people, right? These are your your actors your actresses your models people who do the commercials and we're not even talking big-time celebrities with you know hollywood hall of fame stars are we're just talking about just normal people that you would never know but they work in the entertainment industry and they have to upkeep their appearance and they've come from all over the world to live there because they have been kind of chosen or have a, a a career path that causes them to be in los angeles so um I'll share an experience when i when I was in Los Angeles and I was hanging out with some friends we were at a place and it kind of told me that I was doing the right things and keeping myself i guess healthy and just being a quote unquote attractive person guess I guess I don't know mm-hmm. um, uh, some scouts or casting people came up to me and asked me to what's the word not apply if I wanted to audition, audition yeah audition for uh the Bachelorette. <laughs> i thought that was funny but uh if you go look at but it's true if you look at the casting for those shows it, it, it there is a consistent theme whether it be the men or the women to wear and i just looked at it i said okay yeah i'm i guess i'm kind of tall i'm 6'1 i have a uh, athletic frame and i was dressed well and you know had a decent haircut at the time so uh, yeah they were like hey this Hey, would you like to, I guess they were watching from afar a little bit, you know? Yeah. And
2: what happened with the casting call? What happened with the audition? Oh, right? I went. Oh, oh, oh. I never told you that? You've never told me this story. Oh, I, oh, I feel on, like man. I, don't, I don't even know you anymore.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. We'll save that for another day. Oh,
2: cliffhangers.
1: Yeah. So these experiences, when you travel, then you come back to your environment, uh, they can push you to change, or they can reinforce maybe some of the things that you're doing and make you really take a look at things. I mean, when I when I look at trainers and they are in Los Angeles or they're in Miami or they're in, uh, I don't know, Las Vegas or something like that, they, the average trainer in those areas who wants to be successful has a certain physique that maybe not be in other parts of the country. I don't think trainers in Kentucky look like the trainers in LA and that's just, it just goes, that's how it goes. Mm-hmm. And, and it goes back to your point Er you have to look the part. and to be in this industry, you really have to look the part.
2: Yeah, I, I wouldn't I, I've learned some informa- information from you, but if I wanted to start training people, I, my clientele list probably wouldn't be that great because I don't I don't look the part. I don't look <laughs> the part right now. Now I could I could probably advise people on a lot of yeah. different information and things that they might not the general public might not know because of what information that you have given me and information I've uh, researched myself yeah. as I've journeyed along. And I could help somebody, but again, I don't look the part at this at, at this uh, present stage. So you know that that also plays a, a big factor. You want somebody to, that trains you, that looks like someone who is physically fit and they know what they're doing and they because well, they
1: practice what they preach in a sense. I'll, I'll say this: um, yes and no, Ernest. You're 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 onto something. But so if you have the knowledge, if you have the certifications, if you have the experience, then that should trump everything. Mm. It should. Right. But that's not human nature. Right. So let's say that you had 20 years of training experience and you just maybe you had an accident, maybe you let yourself go, right, Ernest? Mm -hmm. But somebody of your build had 20 years of experience. You had more certifications, you know, you went to school for this. And there will be no reason why somebody shouldn't listen to you. The only reason they would possibly not listen to you because of what you just said, maybe you don't look uh, the part in terms of you living what you're preaching every single day. Right. But that has nothing to do with how they receive information or the program that you give them. And you see that a lot in uh, more athletic performance uh, fields to where there are trainers, there's older guys, there's guys who they're not trying to look like physique models. Mm-hmm. Um, they, are, they, tr- they train athletic performance. They're strong if you try to arm wrestle them or you know, they're functionally strong, right. but their body fat percentage isn't. In the uh, single digits. They're not super ripped. They're not taking mm-hmm. pictures for Instagram. They right. are training people, they're training athletes, and those guys have experience. So, what you're saying is true that maybe a person should look the part and it should be strong and healthy. Uh, but really, uh, if you're picking a trainer off their Instagram pictures, if you're picking a trainer off of <laughs> how they look in a bikini or a swimsuit, then you're probably going in the wrong direction and you're allowing uh, some of human nature to pull you in the wrong in the wrong direction so mm. hey man if if you want to you never know later in life you may want to pursue a a career or second career part-time in health industry so mm-hmm. don't ever let how you look hold you back it's all about your knowledge and uh yeah maybe you won't get some clients early on who are who may in their eyes perceive they look better than you mm-hmm. so what there's a lot of people that you'll be able to help right absolutely yeah all right. So if you don't adjust, you're not fixing the problem. And for a lot of people in this country, they've kind of just given up and, and almost tried to change the narrative and said, well, obesity is not a problem. It's not a personal problem. It's not a community problem. It, it's just a thing. It's just a different shape and that's dangerous. Um, so, I mean, we're to the point where think of the title we just used, right? Yeah. There's people who winced at that title probably. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like saying fat is not a curse word. We eat fat. That's one of the three macronutrients. Mm-hmm. We have body fat on us. We want to reduce fat. There's all these other ways of using the word. Now, if you are to be hurtful and to demean somebody and the point and, you know, bully and say you are fat, yeah, correct. That is wrong. But if we can't just say the word fat without somebody getting in their feelings, then we're giving something more power than it needs. And then we're probably sweeping our problems in the closet instead of cleaning our house.
0: Right.
1: Yeah. So Right. that's but how I feel about that word. Go ahead. Just like when we, the,
2: our first episode, when I told the story about how you came to me and I talked to my wife and I was like, essentially, without saying it, Wayne called me fat. He was, <laughs> <laughs> and he said, I need... But that's... Once you internalize it and understand that it's we're not saying it like you said to be hurtful or anything like that we're saying no. it to bring awareness and saying th- these are the things that could happen if you continue down this path yeah let's try to reverse those things let's try yeah. to reverse that trajectory and get you in a better healthier life
1: yeah and nobody's saying anything that you don't know about yourself hmm we all have mirrors. We all, you live in your body, right? You know what's going on with your body. So if somebody were to make a comment on it, you already know what it is. Mm -hmm. Uh, if you get around children, we, we got, we both have small children. You know, there's been times where my son has said something and I have to like, and I know it's coming sometimes and it could be anything, you know, it could be, we're not even talking, uh, body type, but we're in the grocery store, you know, this is probably six months ago. And He comments on the cashier's hair and he goes, that guy has crazy hair. And clearly he's right next to the guy (laughs) and the guy heard him. And the guy said, you know what? It probably does look a little crazy. I don't think I combed it today or something like that, Uh right? Because my son was telling the truth. Your hair looks crazy, man. Uh So that's what children will do. So what what, what do we do when uh, children make comments about body types and things like that? We tell them that they're wrong, right? Mm, yeah don't say that that's not nice yeah and, and it's one thing to teach children uh manners manners and <laughs> being <laughs> yeah. polite socially yeah of course polite. we want to teach them that but don't don't tell your kid that they're crazy about, for seeing that grass is green the sky is blue and this person has a big tummy <laughs> right mm-hmm. so again that, that, that's just where we're headed to where all these things are non-PC you can't say these things and all it does is I think it harms people who need to change versus uh help them by protecting their feelings or whatever right and that takes us to something that's gained. there's a movement that has gained a lot of popularity and it is uh it's it's pretty popular there was a book and there's a website and there's other people and it's called health at every size. It is called health at every size Uh, is the new peace movement. And this is, uh, I'll read some stuff from the, from the website. It says it supports people of all sizes in addressing health directly by adopting healthy behaviors. It is an inclusive movement, recognizing that our social characteristics, such as size, race, National origin, sexuality, gender, disability status, and other attributes are assets and acknowledgements, and challenges the structural and systematic forces that impinge on living well That's a lot that was a, that was a mouthful that was a lot right there that, that grouped a lot of things together <laughs> yeah, they, what, what, <laughs> what, what, what did you hear when you heard that
2: um it, it was it was it was a lot so what i hear what I hear from that is that your size. Shouldn't determine what you're able to contribute to society. Everyone, regardless of their size, should be able to be treated should be treated the same and accepted and not have that be a determining factor on their worth.
1: Correct. I, I can agree with that, but I, I believe there's a, there's just a lot going on with this type of uh, movement, and this is started it was a book by Lindo Bacon formerly Linda Bacon. Um, And it just groups a lot of things together. And what what I'm saying is I completely understand that everybody should be treated equally. Key word, should. What is reality? Should we change? Should we work to change reality? Yes. But when you live your life, not accepting the rules of your reality, does that help you or harm you? And I feel like there's, there's some harm in that. And what mm-hmm. I mean is um, they grouped every body type, which is fine. We're all different. We're all have different uh, parents, genetics. We, we are all built differently. But they have basically grouped obesity, which is something that can be changed, something that is not an uncontrollable factor with mm-hmm. things that are not, with things that you cannot control uh so they started off with size right Mm -hmm. that is something you can control race you cannot control your race national origin you cannot control your national origin sexuality so that's not for me to determine uh gender again we're in a different time most people are born a certain way but we've seen people change their gender right uh disability status that is something that you cannot control so really the the main thing that you can take accountability and control is size, mm-hmm. which will be how much body fat is accumulated on your body. Mm-hmm. So why would you group uh, <laughs> health at every size in with being a, a black man from the Bahamas who has a different sexuality and a disability? Like it just doesn't matter, right? Like right. those things you cannot control. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think what we're doing is we're telling people that they cannot control their own obesity. Right. So and lean, lean into it. This is, this is why. This is, this is also from okay. the website. It says, we've lost the war on obesity. Fighting fat hasn't made the fat go away. And being thinner, even if we knew how to successfully accomplish it, will not necessarily make us healthier or happier. The war on obesity has taken its toll. Extensive collateral damage has resulted food and body preoccupation, self-hatred, eating disorders, discrimination, poor health. Few of us are at peace with our bodies, whether because we're fat or because we're becoming or we fear becoming fat.
2: This website is brought to you by McDonald's and Coca-Cola. <laughs> it's
1: got to be. But, but again, that said a lot, right? Yeah. But basically, they've thrown their hands up and said, I mean, they said we lost the war. (laughs) I don't think. I don't think
2: I've lost the war. I I think I'm. 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 I'm still. I'm fighting in this thing, baby.
1: Yeah, and then so so, I mean, this is this is powerful, powerful words that could really sway somebody to a place where they're they're really going to be. You know, they they they, their intent is to improve somebody's mental health, Mm -hmm. but we know that your physical health is associated with your mental health, right? They, they're all intertwined. That's all we talk about your, your mind, body and environment. They're, they're, they're all connected. So uh, they said fighting fat hasn't made fat go away. What being thinner. And even if we knew how to successfully accomplish that, well, there's people like me, mm-hmm. <laughs> there's this podcast, there's right. a lot of great resources in this world that will successfully show you how to do it. Mm hmm. And let me ask you this, Ernest, you were 400 pounds, mm-hmm. you have significantly reduced uh, your body fat and you have changed your lifestyle. Are you healthier? I think so, yes, sir. Very much so. And for you to be healthier for your family, for yourself, knowing that you have the potential to live longer and have a higher quality of life, are you happier?
2: Extremely happier knowing that, absolutely. No. I, so I've always been pretty happy, jovial person. That's just my personality. Correct. But understanding that I have added years to my life, I've added a quality of life that I would have no, I would not have had. Like when my son was 18 months when we started this process, he was still toddler, taller range, and now he's four, running around. He wants to wrestle. He wants to jump on me. He wants to do all these physical things yeah 400 pounds it was daddy daddy's not doing that daddy's not rolling on the ground with you for 40 30 minutes or whatever yeah now my for him i'm active i'm able to be active with him i'm able to run around jump play with him for uh extended periods of time not three to five minutes before i got to take a break and i you can't jump on daddy anymore you know i can i can give him yeah. more of me and so that's that's the uh, definitely a plus
1: yeah so with health you have a better quality of life Mm -hmm. and we talked about with it's not about your exterior it is about the things that you have done to build your self-esteem because it's not about you having a smaller shirt size it's about you knowing that you've worked hard you have put in work you uh have Time management. You have accountability. You have done these things to now. The the result is having a smaller shirt size, right? But all those things that you have become stronger within yourself has made you a happier person. Mm -hmm. So somebody might say, "Well, I like to eat Cheetos and play Call of Duty all day. That makes me happy." That's not going to make you happy long term. Mm -hmm. To watch your body deteriorate in front of you and to slowly. You know, just not be in reality and to not eat real food and to not drink water and all these things you so being healthier is happier i don't care what anybody says. Um, what happens is they think that people who are on the extreme end of fitness, maybe you know we're talking people in the single digit uh, body fat percentage there there is a what is it called there is there's a rate of diminishing returns
0: mm-hmm.
1: meaning that yeah, after a certain point, if, if I were to want to get down to 10% body fat, right? And yep. then I needed to go from 10% to 6%. Yep. My happiness might actually start to fall off because I would have to remove myself from social events. I would have to get a, so regimented within my eating. I would have to uh, allocate even more time to fitness, whether it be uh, uh, more long cardio sessions. Uh, Different things like that. And then a lot of people within that community, they start to develop eating disorders themselves. So there is diminishing returns. You can get to a point and then your happiness can come down. But we're talking about normal, healthy body weight. For somebody to be shamed, to be, let's take an average man, to be uh, 19% body fat, you're telling me he's not happier than on average, you know, we're just talking about the same type of person, than the guy who's 40% body fat? Right. Right. Yeah. So, so it, it's, it's, it's almost it's just a crazy way of thinking. And what, what's happening is a lot of people who fall under this umbrella and this way of thinking have done things the wrong way. They've never had professional assistance when it comes to uh, losing weight long term. They've chosen to pick programs on their own. They've chosen to take unhealthy, um, non-sustainable methods. They've they've done fasting. They've done uh, Beyonce cayenne pepper diets. They've tried to run long miles with trash bags on. They've done all these other things that do not work long-term, right? But they Mm -hmm. have never been with somebody within a long-term structured coaching uh, program that pretty much teaches real food principles, weight training, moderate amounts of cardio and just really pursuing a healthier lifestyle many of these people have never done that and that's why they feel like reaching the goal is impossible because look i mean what what this is i will say this is probably your first time trying something like this um but let me ask you this were there other methods that you did try short term that maybe didn't work
2: yeah i I did the Uh, In home videos, you know, you pop the DVD in, you do one workout, then the next day you do another workout. So, I've done that, saw minimal results, and then right back, right back to what I was doing. You know, uh, I don't think I ever tried a a keto or an Atkins type of a diet as far as my nutrition, the nutrition side of it. I don't think I've ever done anything with that. I've just mainly done different workouts. Correct. workout routines and, and those types of things.
1: And that's but, why you were struggling because yeah. the nutrition part is number so, one, right? Yeah. yeah and you've, you've basically accepted that I can't eat these things on a consistent basis. I can't eat these things and be my healthiest self. And you've, you've, you've taken moderation into account. You've, you've improved your food decision-making your food choices. And that's, of this battle right here. So when somebody's struggling and we're talking about they're in class three obesity, they're class two obesity, even class one at times, these people have fallen victim of the Western diet. Um, They probably are not getting as much movement as needed. And these things are affecting their mental health, which which pushes them to kind of run in the same circle. Mm -hmm. I feel bad, I don't wanna do anything, I eat poorly, I feel like it's a temporary reward possibly. And then the, the cycle continues, right? Right. But you're in a different cycle. That's why you are progressing forward. You are eating things that make you feel good. You feel good about yourself. Others reaffirm, reaffirm that in your community. And then you continue and you wake up each day going, let me do it again. Let me do it again. Let me yeah. do it again. And yeah. that, that right there. And, and so if we're going to talk about health at any size, when I use the you being a trainer, um, as an example, that's health at any size because you have been on a healthy run for over a year. The numbers um, in your medical reports with your doctor, they're telling you that, right? Right. So you are healthy right now, and you may be perceived as a bigger person, right? Somebody you know, who is a consistent gym goer might look at you and say, well, he's probably not healthy. But you are uh, trending, and you're on a journey, and you're, you are much more healthy than you were. And your habits the last year proved that you are healthy, right? 18 months. Exactly, 18 months. So that is health (laughs) at any size. You you are a bigger size, but you're healthy. Right. But you're not stagnant, right? Correct. Because you could stop doing what you're doing, start eating a certain way, and then maybe be stuck at that size, and then start reintroducing unhealthy habits, and then you won't be healthy.
0: Yeah. But you're yeah.
1: trending, and that shows that you're healthy. So that's what I think of when I hear health at any size. I think of uh, bigger people that are athletes, uh, people who really um, still have healthy food choices and things like that. I'm talking like maybe like maybe a shot putter or something on a track team. You know, somebody who uh, uh offensive linemen or something like that. So where if they were to spend six weeks cleaning up their diet or whatever it is, they're, they're going to drop down and they're still active, they're still still mobile. That's what I think about health in me size. I, you can't tell me just, I'm, every single person on this earth should just be considered healthy. That's dangerous. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and to st- kind of stick on this topic just a little bit longer, um, what I've seen with people who are at a crossroads when they are ready for change, something that keeps them from changing is they feel like you have to dislike yourself to want to change. Mm. They feel like you have to like wake up in the morning, grab your belly, and be mad at it, and then that should push you to go run. That's not true. You should just want to go run because you want to do better for yourself. You want to reduce your body fat, but you don't have to hate yourself. That's not what this is about. Right. And I think people get at that crossroads to where they're, they think that they need that negative energy in order to push themselves to, towards health. And that's, that's not what it works. And people who have long term uh, results and sustainability, that's just not the case. So if you feel like I'm happy with my body, that's amazing. But you still can be happy with your body and still want to change at the same time. That's what self-love is. You know, we talk all this self-care stuff and all these different things. That's what self-love is, doing and caring for myself just because. Not for some goal, not, you know, what's that show with Khloe Kardashian, Revenge Body? (laughs) Like, it shouldn't be that. It should be because you love yourself enough that you're going to eat healthy. You're going to drink water. You're going to, you know, do things to have nice skin and to take care of yourself, right?
2: Right. And, it, and it, once you get into it, it becomes a competition with your, within yourself. Every day, like you said, every day I wake up ready to attack oh, the day. Oh,
1: I'm going to cut you off real quick and let you finish. I was listening to a song today. It was a, it was a Kendrick Lamar song. And uh-huh. they used a sample uh, from an older song. But it starts off and it said, uh, I used to think the world. He said, I used to think it was me against the world until I realized it was me versus me. Uh-huh. Yep. And I was just thinking about that today, literally. I was just thinking about that this morning. It's me versus me. If your attitude is me day. against the world, you can be successful for, for a little bit, but it's you versus you every day. Go ahead. Every day, every day.
2: And so woke up this morning, I, I knew we had a run on our, on our fitness, uh, on our app. And so I told myself I'm going to run the, my longer distance, which is a mile and a quarter, and I'm going to run it nonstop. And I'm going to try to break my time that I did the last time. And so set that goal and go ahead and knock it out. And so I did that. I did that this morning.
1: Wow. Nice. Because,
2: yeah, because I'm like, first of all, I'm not a big runner. I don't like to run. But I know that, I know that as I've been doing it for these last three weeks, I've been progressively feeling better about it. My, my endurance has been getting stronger. I used to be able to run to the end of the street and then I have to stop. Then I could run to the end of the next street, then have to stop. But now I'm running straight through. And so nice. now I'm adding another quarter mile to my run and running that straight through. And so the and, and if I don't make the time, the the fact that I can run it without stopping is an achievement in itself. Yeah. And so
1: that's, the fact that's, that you got off the couch that day is an achievement in itself. Listen,
2: man, listen. So that's that's one of the one of the big things that I'm I'm kind of I'm, I'm learning about this is that the outside world doesn't doesn't matter. Uh, when it comes to this health and fitness thing, it's about what what makes me feel good, and the fact that I'm challenging myself and pushing myself to be better than I was yesterday.
1: There you go. Yeah, that's a great point, man. Um, and within that run, you got outside, you got yeah, vitamin D, you got fresh yeah. air. Uh, these are things that people just take for granted that they don't do, you know. So that's great. So moving on from the the health at any size, I don't want to pick on it too much, but it, it I, when i see stuff like that it, it makes me scared for somebody who could be swayed to that thinking and then it pushes them further from uh reality it pushes them further from the truth of health and fitness um because you can give a moderate effort and still get yourself to a uh healthy body weight healthy body fat percentage mm-hmm. um so really with that health at every size movement they basically told people that obesity is something that you're stuck at and it's not a choice. Let me ask you this, Ernest. Do you feel like obesity is a choice?
2: Yes. I, I chose to eat myself and not exercise to the point where I was at. And now I'm choosing to go in the other direction.
1: Yeah. And now Very there may sure. be some outliers. There may be some. I mean, there's always exceptions to the rule, mm-hmm. but we're talking 99, 98% of the population on this, on this earth, obesity is a choice. And if you accept that, you can make a change. It's just when you accept that there's, there's nothing I can do about something, then you're going to not do anything about it, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, let, let's go into some of the effects that it may have on mental health. Um, We've watched some of these shows. I watch a lot of reality shows that go with uh, health, fitness, uh, weight loss. That's just something I like to watch to always see what people are doing and kind of learn from people's, other people's stories. Mm-hmm. Uh, 600 hundred pound Life, right? If you no, look at...
2: I've, I've never watched that show because I'm you've like... You've never watched it? I, f- I can't, man. I I That's I, your
1: homework. Because
2: c- I, I feel bad. I kinda, Why? Because I, like, I, I feel like they're trapped. They are. They're Mentally, they're trapped. Correct. and Physically, they're trapped. And I and I, I, can't bring myself to watch them do... Like, I've seen clips where they just kind of bring the fryer into the room and just fry chicken on the bed and things like that. <laughs> and I'm like, I can't. Yeah. Because I feel like when I watch it, I support it. And I don't want to support it. It feels something about that just doesn't well, make me feel good. Well, keeping the show
1: on is probably keeping uh, the doctor going, the guy doctor now, and he's, he's helping people. Mm. So, I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't watch it to, to laugh or ridicule. I mean, I really, I'm going to learn something that I would never have known. Mm -hmm. And I can, and I like to learn from other people's, uh, stories and other, other perspectives. I don't have to fully experience certain things, you know? Uh, so to watch this show, there's a couple of things I take away from it. Uh, what you just said, they are trapped. They're trapped in their bodies, they're trapped mentally, and their, their, their mental health has regressed. There's things that um, they just don't do anymore. Uh, like you were saying, they're not playing with their kids if they have kids. They're not seeing family. I mean, they're, they're, some of these, pe- these people are bed bound. They, uh, you know, they, they don't know how much they weigh because there's not a scale close enough for them. Uh, there are issues with walking. Uh, you know, they're either playing video games or people are bringing them food. You know, which would be the the enablers in their family. People mm-hmm. are bringing them food. Some of them can drive, and they go and they go pick up their food, and they come right back home. Um, but the takeaway was the region that many of these people are in. These are a, a lot of southern states, mm-hmm. a lot of rural areas. Um, these are these are the places that this is happening. So a lot of those states that we named earlier, you will see those stories come from there, and then also. Um, they're friends and family. Those people are large as well. Right. It, it's never a super fit family with one 600 pound family member. Mm-hmm. These people just happen to be, and really, they look smaller because they're right next to a 600 pound person.
0: Well,
1: mm-hmm. a lot of these people themselves are class one, class two obese. They just are more mobile, and you know, you will see when they go with a, with their family member or friends to the doctor. And it's almost as if they are oblivious to the fact that they are pretty much in the same, almost in the same boat. Mm-hmm. Right. Because they don't even change their habits. The doctor tells them, the 600-pound person, hey, man, you need to lay off this. You need to go on this diet. You need to do this prior to the surgery. And then the people around them, which we will call you know, the enablers and other people, you'll see them on the show still eating fast food, still doing these things because they think that because I'm not 600 pounds, I'm okay. Right or it's just because it changed the habit. And that's what we talked about earlier. How do you know that you are, you know, obese or overweight if everybody else around you is? Because you, you, could, you could go stand next to, uh, when, you, when you were pushing 400 and you stood next to somebody 450, You'd felt okay about yourself. <laughs> hey, listen, baby, we out here, though. Oh. <laughs> You'd have looked at him like, "What's <laughs> up, big dog?" <laughs> hey, hey,
2: big man, what's poppin'? <laughs> exactly. Ain't that, ain't that little fella? <laughs> little fella.
1: Yeah, yeah. And a lot of times, there's a lot of trauma that has put those people in those positions, and that's the other takeaway. I mean, it 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 is a sad show, like you said. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of loneliness. There's a lot of uh, regret and a. Uh, just different things that go into living that lifestyle. Um, same thing with uh, maybe uh, the biggest loser and all these different things. You just see the day-to-day things that they cannot do that maybe they used to do or they wish they could do. Uh, and that's, that's, the, that's the sadness. And I don't see how telling somebody, you don't need to make a change. You're going to be happier. If, that, if, if health at any size was true, then we would see uh, some real happy people on 600-pound life.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Man, I'm living my best life. I'm just chilling all day. I got my fryer next to my bed, I got my <laughs> Xbox, my kids come see me, I'm, I'm living it up. Right. That's never the case.
2: Never, I would imagine. Yeah.
1: yeah. No, um,
2: I, I will watch it, TLC?
1: It's it's on TLC. I will yep.
2: watch it. Just, like it.
1: just watch one or two.
2: Okay.
1: There you go, all right. Uh, and let me ask you this, coming from where you were in your weight loss journey, um, was there anything or any things that were situations that you have put yourself in that maybe had caused anxiety or maybe had caused you to feel uncomfortable um, just because of your size?
2: So, so, yes, when I transitioned from working uh, closer to home where I could drive to work every day, I transitioned to working further up north in Arlington. And getting up there, there's a thing in northern Virginia called slugging okay which is uh essentially organized hitchhiking so you drive your car to a commuter lot park your car and then you wait in line okay as you wait in line cars pull up that are going where you need to go and they'll get you can give you can get a ride okay so my first time slugging i'm standing in line and you know i'm a bigger guy and so i see cars pull up and it's like suv suv so i'm like okay this is going to be fine i'll be good to go so (laughs) like two people in front of me go, they get into a nice like expedition or something like that. So I'm waiting in line, no cars are there. So I'm just waiting. The next car that pulls up is a mini Cooper. And I, <laughs> and I immediately, I immediately panic. Right. So I'm like, Oh, this is my first, I, I don't realize I can pass. I can let other people go. I don't realize any of this. So I'm like, all right, let's go ahead and squeeze in here. <laughs> so, so I end up squeezing in the back seat and it, it was more room than I anticipated, but it still wasn't as comfortable as, as, you know, as, as a man, my size would need it to be. Yeah. But that was a very, that those situations kind of did make me uh, anxious or give me some levels of anxiety because you never knew what kind of car was going to pull up. You never knew if this, if you're the last one there and it's the only car and you need to get to work, it's like, Hey, I gotta, I gotta squeeze in this hatchback and we're going to make this work. So um, so yeah, so they, they've been definitely been uncomfortable situations due to <laughs> squeezing the
1: Mini Cooper. Yeah, man. Oh man, but what, did, what, did you feel like there was, was the, the driver nice about it? And so
2: yeah, so to the, the drivers they'll they'll pull the seat up and say. So I had some people say, I, "I never had a guy your size get back there before. I never thought, <laughs> I never thought, <laughs> I, I, I never thought somebody like you could fit back here." But yeah, there's, there's a lot of room in here. Or something oh, like wow. that, or or they'd be like, "Are you comfortable? Are you good?" I'm yeah. like, "I'm fine. Just just drive. Let's let's talk and more driving." So, so today,
1: to are you more comfortable?
2: Yeah, definitely. I I feel like now it's a instead of a size thing as far as me, you know, right to left and front to back, it's a height thing. Okay. So you know, because I am a little, I'm taller too. I'm about six two and a half, and even and even just driving my car, so. Being in quarantine, you, I don't we don't go out a lot, grocery stores and things like that. But recently, I, I got into the car and I put the seatbelt on. and I was like, "This fits. This fits a little different now." <laughs> and, you know, your car is getting more roomy. <laughs> it, it definitely is. I was like, "This fits a little more. This fits different now because even since quarantine, I think since the beginning of May, I, I mean beginning of March. I think when I checked the app, I was like three ten.
1: Yeah, and, you made and like, you made some some." Big strides right. in the last six to eight of weeks. March,
2: Right, and now I'm, like, to 288, 287. And so, I mean, even since I've been home, I've dropped, you know, 20, 22 pounds. And so it's, you know, it's, 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 a, it's been amazing. I, I'm, I'm seeing those things in everyday life, how yeah. my body was affected, how my body affected how I was able to move and get around. And now I'm, I put the seatbelt on, I was like, Whoo, we out here. But yeah. we, ain't, we ain't as far out here as we was.
1: <laughs> good, 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 good. And I think that, that right there, sharing that, is something that goes to another thing you don't have to worry about. Uh, when we watch some of these shows, or even some people maybe in their real life, they have to worry about, is that bar stool stable? Can mm-hmm. this chair hold me? I got to go mm-hmm. to the DMV. They got really small chairs. It's crowded. Am I going to be leaning on to somebody? Uh, do I need to buy a second... Uh, airplane ticket, or get a seatbelt extender. You can't tell me. You can't tell me that that uh is a happier lifestyle.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. Always denied the extra seatbelt extender. You you, I, you, 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 were offered in the past. I was, and I, I don't want it we're going to squeeze in here, out here, boy. I don't want Uh, the
1: extra seatbelts. You don't want the extra seatbelt? Nah, because
2: if this plane crashed, this seatbelt ain't going to help me regardless. Oh, man. I ain't going to be out here with two seatbelts on.
1: Okay. Well, (laughs) you know what that was, though, right? Pride. That was pride, but that was you telling yourself, I'm not going to fully let go. Yeah. If If you were to just not have an interest in... You know, your health, your future, and uh, the trajectory of your life, you would have just said, Give me the seatbelt. Give me the extra. Mm-hmm. I don't care if I gained 10 pounds. I don't care if I gain another 20 pounds. But you said, You know what? I, I got a standard. I have something that I have to keep. Uh, I have to keep a standard for myself. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to be a person who needs an extra seatbelt.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And that type of thinking, even though you might not have been ready at that time, has pushed you to where, you are now by saying i'm keeping a standard and i'm going to keep this for myself so let's get into some of the reasons why we as a country are having this obesity epidemic um there's a phrase i always use i've told many of my clients about it uh, we've discussed it and i just say they're trying to kill you i just get hey they're trying to kill you when i see certain uh fast food products when i see certain. Uh, I I just say they're trying to kill you. And then you say, who is they? They are basically the people who profit from your sickness. They profit from your poor decision-making when it comes to nutrition, when it comes to lack of movement, they profit from it. So that is somebody who sells processed foods. That is somebody who sells cigarettes. That is somebody who uh, sells books that tell you that you can be healthy at 500 pounds. Th- those people are profiting off of your choice. Cause this is, these are choices we're in America. These are choices. Nobody's forcing you to do anything. So when you go to Taco Bell 10 times in a week, that's your choice, right? Mm, yep. But you have been influenced through advertising. And in 2012 uh, fast food as a industry spent $4 billion um, we, we see commercials all day. Uh, we all know the jingles. We all know the, the, <laughs> the commercials. We all know the logos. We all know what uh, fast food offers. We know the differences between all these places. And it's, it's something that has been ingrained in us. And you can't tell me that knowing those things are going, are you can't tell me that knowing those things and having them pushed upon you don't influence your behavior. And they do. So, uh, I mean, we got, we, we got uh, Taco Bell. I mean, they spend so much money on advertising. Every month they have a new product. I mean, they, they make commercials that look like movie trailers. Right. <laughs> We've yeah. seen the ones with, the, with the, the buddy cop movie with the speedboat and they're driving their special effects. Something blows up and you're like, man, when's this movie coming out? And then they go, oh, this is our new cheesy quesarito. You're like, what? <laughs> I, I wanted to go see that movie. <laughs> right. I didn't know this was a, a product. <laughs> this was a commercial. So oh, yeah. uh, that's how much they want to get you to make this decision. If mm-hmm. you go into you know, the, the impulse buys, you go to any register, you got a thousand things saying, buy me, buy me, buy me. Uh, there's color theory. There are all these things that go into attracting you and your children to make you buy these things. And when you succumb to these to to these advertisements, you get a society that we have right now, to where somebody just can't say no, to where. You got, what, a 96-ounce <laughs> Big Gulp or something like that, right? Right. That's and cheap. That's cheaper than the 20-ounce. Exactly. But these <laughs> things are pushed upon you and, they're, and, and you, and you don't think of it as a intentional or diabolical. You go, oh, it's just a commercial. But people know who work in these industries, they know that they're profiting off of your sickness mm-hmm. because you are, if you eat McDonald's 10 times a week, you're going to be sick right is is it's something that you can't argue so right. um there's other factors and I'll probably bring that phrase up a lot uh, they're trying to kill you but keep that in mind it is a war against you it is a war against your children it is a war against your family it is a war against your community to where there could be a carryouts and takeouts and things that they're saying, come eat this, come eat this, come eat this versus, you know, there's no commercials for carrots. There's no commercials for uh, <laughs> uh, spinach. There's no commercials for apples, right? Those things aren't, aren't marketed towards you and you don't get told that you should go eat them. Uh, and that's why with the Western diet, we, ha- we have these things. So uh, when we look at these commercials, Ernest, we got Michael Jordan used to sell McDonald's <laughs> he wasn't eating McDonald's he was probably spitting it out in between takes
2: listen absolutely
1: uh, LeBron James advertising Sprite yeah, My, LeBron James is not drinking Sprite uh-huh. he has his own other health ventures uh, with supplements such as Ladder and some of these other things if you really look into it but he's still selling me Sprite uh, Paris Hilton is eating a Carl's Jr. burger on a, on a car in a commercial uh, she weighs like 92 pounds <laughs> I don't think she's eating bacon burgers every day, you know? So right. even the people in these commercials don't even look like people who eat these eat these foods because they don't want to show you the reality, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so another industry that you could say is trying to kill you, the video games, the, the gaming, the technology of just saying, you don't need to go out and run, pick up a controller and run, <laughs> And, and, you know, live within your own virtual reality. Create your avatar. Don't go outside. You know, don't go talk with your friends and stand outside. Talk to them online. And, you know, one hour, two hours, three hours, four hours, play Call of Duty all day. What does that right. really do for your for your physical health and your mental health?
2: It deteriorates it.
0: Absolutely.
1: Yeah, because yeah. I remember growing up, if we were playing video games too long, it was, you need to get outside. Mm-hmm. Sonic the Hedgehog needs to get turned off Mario Brothers needs to get turned off You need to go outside right? Yeah, so It's it's different now to where The video games and the uh, Just other technological Technological advances have Pushed us to more uh, Sedentary lifestyle Mm -hmm. And we just have to work around that And say, yeah, this is a part of life Uh, These are things that we have available now But we can't abuse them We can't abuse them uh, and then let's go to the medical industry, uh, the pharmaceutical industry. When you go to your doctor, it's a completely different conversation than if you were to go see a trainer. And you would think that a lot of these things should uh, blend in, right? Mm-hmm. You, you would think that we would be on the same page. Uh, but my approach is going to be something more holistic. I'm going to tell you that, you know, eat these foods, eat real food get out, get sunlight, move. And then somebody else is going to say, oh, well, you have an anxiety, Uh, take this pill. You have high blood pressure, take this pill. You have uh, diabetes, you know, all these different things. They're saying, take this pill. And that is not a solution. That is something to deal with. Right. Yeah. What what do you have to say about that?
2: So, yeah. So sometimes in the medical profession, they want to allow you to live with these problems or issues as opposed to curing these problems and issues, because there's no money in the cure. There there's money, there's money in the prolonging your life as you live with this. Yep. And so my whole thing, one of the benefits of my doctor is when I was at my biggest weight, even though I wasn't ready for it, he would always tell me, eat eat fruits and vegetables. Do these types of exercises? Be more active. He would tell me these things, so it was, it was good that he he was he was very close to being on the same page with you. He never pushed medicines and um, different things like that. He uh, there was a, probably one of my last visits before I made the the change in my life. He did say that you know if you try these things and these things don't work, then um, we we can do a, a gastric type of surgery. And when I heard that, I was like, whew. Am I, yeah, and, and that was an eye opener. Is that is that where I'm at? Where they talking about you know cutting me up so I can be smaller? Like this crazy? Yeah. So you know, so that that was definitely a an eye opener for me. But I think some a lot of times we do deal with doctors who are instead of helping you solve the problem of of weight and getting it under control, yeah, they allow you to live with your weight. And control yeah. the the things in your body through medicine and chemicals.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, what she said was a good point. I mean, there there are people who their habits or their body is to a point where yeah, they just need to get a surgery. And the interesting part is if you watch some of these shows, the doctor says, "I need you to lose twenty pounds before I give you the surgery." Mm-hmm. Then they lose twenty pounds. So keep but, it going. But, but but exactly. But before that. <laughs> They couldn't lose 20 pounds. They swore by it. I just can't lose weight. But now somebody says, if you lose this 20 pounds, I'll give you the surgery because they view the surgery as the magic fix, right? Right. Now, we just if you are at that place, if you're listening to this uh, podcast and you're at that place where you are considering uh, that surgery, really try to do things the right way first. And if you start to see the results and you continue pushing, keep pushing uh it's it's so dangerous it's so invasive in your body where this is not a you know getting a haircut this is not getting your ear pierced it's not getting a tattoo even you know when we're talking about cutting in your body so many complications i mean you have people who when you're that size you have different things that are other ailments and pre-existing uh conditions more than likely you know, sleep apnea and different things right mm-hmm. so then you're gonna go and go uh under an anesthetic and you're going to be put to sleep and you're going to get a surgery and then you're going to have to recover. And it's just so much to come back from. And there's a lot of success stories, which, hey, that's great. And if you made that chi- that change that way, that's great. But guess what? How are you going to maintain that new body?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: By the traditional uh, things that we talk about, proper nutrition, uh, fitness, exercise, real food diet, drinking water. So you're going to have to do those things anyway, right? Yep. Yeah. So at the end of the day, you're always going to have to do those things. And a phrase I always say is the rules don't change. So you can go get your uh, bariatric surgery or whatever it is. The rules don't change. You're still going to have to do that. Uh, So really, if we can, as a country, not rely so much on pills and surgeries and say that those are maybe temporary fixes, and then that's something that you can wean off, uh, that should be your end goal uh definitely so let's, let's wrap this one up this was a long one yeah. uh I, but, but good but good one but much needed and I, yeah. I really looked forward to talking about this there's a lot of things we touched on i'm um, hopeful i am hopeful that uh we've reached somebody's ear and they, and they can influence them to make a change uh because i just want to wrap it up and say that one you can't be in denial uh you can't be uneducated So if you're here, you're getting, you're getting educated and understand that they're trying to kill you. (laughs) There's a war on, there's a war on you. There's a war on your happiness. There's a war on your health. There's a war on your family and your community. And that is just a byproduct of capitalism. And that's really what it is being living in America. So you need to prepare yourself and arm yourself to go to battle each day when you drive down the street and there's seven drive through restaurants. When you're watching TV and there's a million commercials telling you to do these things, uh, they're trying to kill you. So, when you can fight those things and say, it doesn't matter what you try to sell me, I'm going to eat some real food tonight. I'm going to get out and be active and I'm going to do that consistently. You will get yourself to a healthy body weight and you will not be part of that 42%. And then the children that you raise will see you doing those things and then they will not be part of that possible 50% of obesity in the year 2030. So right. uh, Ernest, you are a walking, breathing advertisement for these things. You are a testament to what uh hard work consistency is. And you, uh, as, as long as you continue to do those things, which I have no doubt you will, you will help change other people's minds because it, it sounds different coming from you than coming from me, right?
0: right. It, it's and, just, and, I, and I've accepted that,
1: you know? you know, it kind yeah. of breaks, breaks my heart a little bit, you know, <laughs> breaks no, my heart a little bit. I, I, I
2: appreciate it. I appreciate moment. A lot of my success is due to you. I know I put in the work, but you put on, you gave me the, the map. And so I'm following yeah. the map, baby. So. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, uh, I I'm expecting some, uh, some good comments. If you are, uh, following our page, uh, if you are following our Instagram account, leave a comment, uh, we, we want to hear from you. We want to hear from you guys. Um, I, I know I've received some personal messages, Ernest. I know you've received some, but right. please talk on the public forums, whether it be the uh, comments on the accounts we have or, uh, share things within your own uh, social media accounts and get the conversation going. Uh, that, that's, what's going to spread change. Good conversation. And we're, we're here to, to talk, um, yeah.
2: Even if right. you disagree, if you disagree with anything we said yeah, too, yeah. let, let we're, us We're know. not
1: here to, Man. this is not an echo chamber. <laughs> right. Uh, uh, but I, I enjoy uh, a, a discussion, a debate. Absolutely. Part Absolutely. of the reason me starting the podcast. So hey. uh, any uh, opposing views and anybody who wants to share those things, I'm more than, uh, my inbox is open. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> All right. So uh, we'll be, we'll be back next week with a a shorter, more standard version of Stronger Inside. Uh, Thank you for sticking with us with this extended uh, format. Mm -hmm. And until next time. We out. All right.